podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, pod friends. We've been touring the stories of the Bundesliga and Serie A in recent weeks. But there is one Euro tale that we must move on to Chapter 2. We can't ignore them any longer. OGC Nice are in sensational form at the top of Liga 1. After 11 games, the club from the south coast on the banks of the Mediterranean are one point ahead of behemoths, PSG. They also have defeated PSG in 16.5 hours of Liga 1 football, played under the new Italian coach Francesco Farioli. Incredibly, they've not been behind for a single minute of action thus far. Is this finally the coming of age for the Ineos project? Has English billionaire Jim Radcliffe timed his Nice Renaissance at the perfect time to win any potential PR race when he rolls into Manchester United, his boyhood club? We welcome back OGC Nice expert and fan Roy Kelly, a former BBC journalist of over 20 years. Nice and never far from Roy's mind, having captured his loyalty when he moved to France. When we last spoke to Roy at the start of the season, Nice were ominously quiet in the transfer window and their little-known Italian manager, Farioli, had just walked through the door after a brief stint in Turkish football and before that, he was Brighton's manager, the Zebris goalkeeping coach. Fast forward to today and Nice, built on defensive solidity and fortitude, are proving to be a potent force again in French football. In fact, they have the best defence in Europe's big five leagues, conceding just a miserly four goals in their opening Liga 1 games. The last team to score on Farioli's men was PSG way, way back on the 15th of September. Another team, as we said, they beat on this incredible run. Let's get the inside track on the Nice Renaissance. So Roy at the minute is in Sri Lanka for the Cricket World Cup. So we call up with him, disturbed his little working holiday as he basks in the feast of cricket. That seems to be never ending. I don't know when that World Cup ends. So there might be some background noise. It just adds to the ambiance and the excitement around this triumphant Nice run. Enjoy the wisdom that you get from this man that you won't find in many English-speaking outlets. An inside track on this intriguing French club. Roy, we are absolutely delighted to welcome you back to the Euro Tales abode. How have you been, my friend? Thank you. Uh, yes, I've been very good. I think um, rather surprised by what's taking place at the Allianz Riviera, but. Uh... Um, all in all, very good. I'm on my travels at the moment. I'm currently in Sri Lanka, which um something to do with a cricket World Cup that, took, that was taking place in India. Excellent. Well, Roy, since last we spoke in mid-July when Nice were having a, a 
bit of a quiet transfer window, and most of the star power being linked with moves away. Things have certainly changed for your beloved French club. Top of the pile in League One after 12 games. What is going on, Roy? It's extraordinary, isn't it? Because when we spoke in July, I think uh, the word was underwhelming when we were talking about <laughs> the new coach, um, Farioli. Nobody had heard of him. Nobody knew where he came from. He didn't really have any pedigree in a high league. And yet somehow OGC Nice managed to find him somewhere and appointed him, and he was greeted with nothing more than apathy by the Nice supporters. I know when you and I spoke, I think they were just embarking on their pre-season, of which they didn't win a single game. Um, yeah. They they competed in a, a four-team tournament in Newcastle, where rather bizarrely, by the way, they didn't play Newcastle United, and didn't win any of the games and um, finished bottom of that league. And so it didn't look all that good. And then suddenly you press the start button, and they have been amazing. They're top of the league. Um, they're unbeaten. They've only conceded four goals. They're ahead of PSG. They won at PSG. They won at Monaco. And um, 25 points at this stage. It's something we did not expect. So I'm kind of slightly um, astounded. It, I, I think most people are, Roy. Even this guy, this Italian man, Farioli, he's breaking records. Nice's unbeaten run in League One now stretches to 14 games, nine wins and five draws. Mm. It is the club's longest undefeated run in the top division for 56 years. And this <laughs> seems to be built, Roy, on defensive solidity. As you said, just a miserly four goals conceded so far in the league and they boast seven clean sheets yeah how have they become this defensively solid it's gosh it's a, it's a good question and i don't quite know what has happened i mean we remember we're old enough to remember that the italian league many many years ago was based on defense and it was possibly the least entertaining uh, in europe at that point it seems as if we've gone back in time and that we've got a time traveler who's moved forward by 50 years and suddenly arrived in uh, 2020 and brought his defensive tactics to OGC Nice. I have to say, it is not entertaining. But who cares? We're not here to be entertained. We want our football club to win, and that's what they're winning. But it just seems to have completely changed the mentality. And the thing that I find impressive more than anything is that they haven't gone behind in any of the games so far. And the thing is that they don't panic. And a lot of it is to do with Dante. I think the whole defence in the midfield revolves around that one man. And at the age of 40, it's extraordinary. It's amazing. Maybe the most important signing, as he said, Roy, was Dante extending his contract for another year in May. Mm. 22 points in the bag now. Nice's second highest total at this stage of it's the actually 25 now. 22. Yeah, it's still going. <laughs> it's the <laughs> second highest. I can't keep up. Second highest total at this stage of the competition last <laughs> 40 years. But what makes this Italian man yeah. even more interesting, Roy, and we might be open Pandora's box here, Farioli ball, as the French football media has dubbed it. As you said, it's effective, maybe not pleasant on the eye, but his tactics mm. at the minute is more leaning towards pragmatism. But many watchers of Turkish yeah. football claim his side, Alain Spore, played some mighty fine attacking football during his tenure there. Do you think this is the beginning of a Nice revolution? Oh, gosh, we've said this so many times. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, we had Lucien Favre in his first um, 
uh, appointment and he took Nice to uh, the Champions League after leading the title race for about 12 weeks. But of course, we've gone through numerous managers since Patrick Vieira and Christophe Gaultier and uh, Didier Dijard, etc. And it, it just, we always think that this is going to be the season. But the Nice supporters now have got themselves into a habit of thinking, well, it's just another transition season. But it's not. You were right. This could be the start of a revolution. Now, if Farioli does bring this expansive attacking football um, to Nice that, as you said, he's he's well known for in Turkey, we're going to see one heck of a team. Because at the moment, they look very, very solid at the back. They don't look like they're going to lose at any stage. Famous last words, obviously. But if he's going to do something like that as well, we're going to have the complete package. And that's going to be really exciting to watch. I mean, genuinely exciting to watch as well as effective as well. Like you said, they have defeated Paris, Monaco, Marseille, Rennes, have all broken their teeth on this nice iron defensive curtain. Is it crucial for the club's success that Dante remains fit? Oh, absolutely. Um, it was quite interesting a couple of years ago when Chris. Stuff Gaultier uh, was in his pomp, so to speak, at Nice. There were strong rumours that he was going to ask Dante to retire. Now, could you imagine if he'd done that? Um, Dante just goes on and on and on. He reminds me of Fernando Alonso in Formula One, who is a similar age, who's like a machine. You know, give him a car to drive and he will just drive and he'll drive very successfully. Dante is exactly the same. He's like a machine. And the thing about it, his performances are not tailing off. He's still got the, the passion, the exuberance, the ability that he had maybe when he was 20 years younger. And you see him on the pitch, and if you were to say to somebody who'd never seen the players ever ever before, and said, you point out the oldest man on this pitch, and you would not be able to point at Dante, because he doesn't look it. He's got the experience, yeah. but he's got everything else as well. So I think he's essential. I think if he is injured or if he gets sent off, which he's been, you know, he's done in the past, I think that could be the big, big test for Nice. And you mentioned Galtier. It, this is what I think is really welcome at Nice. It's been a turbulent few years. The Galtier affair, Toddy Bow caught on camera mm. disrespecting a minute silence, a towel receiving a hefty suspension. Do you feel yeah. that this is a siege mentality now with the Code d'Azur? Oh, absolutely, 100%. I couldn't have put it better myself, Liam. Um, basically, it, it's a kind of it's like the, the old Millwall chant, no one likes us, we don't care. Yeah. It's a similar situation in Nice. And if you ever watch the French media in particular, it's very difficult to find anybody who says anything remotely positive about the club, whether it be the supporters, because they do tend to get themselves into trouble quite a few times, or whether it's because the refereeing decisions that we quite rightly question at times, uh, or whether you know it, it is because there's a lot of scandal. There's been a lot of scandal around the club. And probably it's it's, it's been embellished by the investment that came in from Ineos. Suddenly, Nice were the big, big club in France, uh, and they didn't reach the standards that were expected by Ineos. And so that, again, surround the, the, the media attention surrounding that as well. So I think there is definitely a siege mentality. And anyway, it's working really well. It's marvellous to watch. And as you said, some of the buffins and statisticians will be scratching their head. They've only scored <laughs> 13 goals. Lorraine, who are fourth wow. from bottom, have scored 15. Is this also a testament to the Polish goalkeeper, Bulka, just 24? Is he the goalkeeper that Nice wanted Kasper Schmeichel to be? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, he was signed from Paris Saint-Germain a couple of years ago. 
Monaco and he was responsible for knocking Paris Saint-Germain out of the French Cup when he's got to the final because he saved penalties in the shootout. And then last year, um, he, once Walter Benitez had left and gone to Holland, um, he quite rightly thought, hey, I'm number one now. This is me. He didn't play a single game last season. He didn't have one single minute of full-time professional football for OGC Nice last season. And people questioned, was it because of Kasper Schmeichel had a contract that said that he had to play every game? Because whether that was true or not, it certainly looked like it. And so you feel for this man. He's been sat on the bench for 12 months. Suddenly he's been unleashed. And we talk about some of the greatest goalkeepers in the league. I think he's really, he is up there. Uh, he saved two penalties against Monaco. He saved two penalties. It's extraordinary. In one game, you know, he's, um, I, I think when you've got a solid goalkeeper like that, your defence is, well, it's 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 built on it and it's it's half sorted already. And I think Castrus Michael was a name. He was a personality. He was still a very, very good uh, goalkeeper, but he wasn't a nice player. And I think this is the difference. You're 100% on point there, Roy. I looked at why scouting, it's a treasure trove of stats. And according to their figures and numbers, only Donnarumma and Bizot, who's criminally underrated at Brest, have prevented more goals than Bunker. And as, as you said, yeah. given his inexperience, his performances are really raising eyebrows. As is another babyface left back, Melvin Bird at just 23. Yeah. He's really caught my eye. He's looking like one of the best left backs in the division. Has he impressed you and the Nice faithful? Well, he has this season, definitely. Um, there were serious question marks uh, last season. People were beginning to criticise him quite a lot, but he has just blossomed. He's totally blossomed under Farioli. And there's another point I wanted to make as well, is that this if we were having this conversation this time last year, we would be talking about, as we already have done, Castor Schmeichel. We'd be talking about Aaron Ramsey and Ross Barkley and Nicholas Pepe, et cetera, et cetera, the big name players, so to speak, that Nice had brought in. They've all gone. Every single one of them have gone. And so suddenly we're seeing players like Bard, who were part of the youngsters, who were part of coming up through the ranks, suddenly blossoming. And it seems that, you know, Farioli, what he's doing at the moment is he's looking at the strength of depth in the whole squad and saying, you're ready, you're ready. And when you've got that kind of confidence from your coach and suddenly you've got the supporters on your side, it makes all the difference. I think that's what's happening there. And as you said, the injection of youth and hunger, few of them players you mentioned there, they are what is known in the game as journeymen, isn't it? Some of these guys, they put bums <laughs> on seats and they write a few headlines. But like yeah. you described, Volkadeh, he's a nice player. Were these guys actually yeah. interested in the club? Yeah. Well, you see, it, it's, it's interesting because it's all wrapped up with Ineos. Now, as you as you know, in the summer period, Ineos dramatically reduced their investment in the club. I don't know what the figures are, but from what I heard from very um, close sources to the club, it was a ma major, major reduction. And of course, that um, goes hand in hand with Sir Jim Ratcliffe trying to get involved in Manchester United in a big way. And I think what happened was that suddenly there was this, I don't know, this, this sense of relief. Everybody just thought, well, that's OK. We don't have to do this now. We can lower the expectations and we can do what we need to do. And so we don't need to go out and make a big name signing because we don't want them. We don't, they're not Nice players. You know, the only, the, the really big name signing that I've always had a love for, and I wish he was still here now, is Mario Balotelli, who at Nice yeah. was absolutely outstanding. But he's been yeah. the only one down the years 
And so it's 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 a change of mentality. It's a change of culture. And it's basically going back to what OGC Nice were always in the past, a community club. Uh, but now they've got something a little bit more special than that. So, yeah, you're right. To get rid of those players, with the greatest respect to them, um, it was the right decision. And I think at long last, this long road that they're going down is a lot smoother than it was this time last year. And when you look at Melvin Baird, when you look at his value today, he was signed for just €3 million Euro from luckless Leon, who were adrift at yes. the bottom of the table. They'd be coursing their luck that they let him go for that. Many quarters, Roy, presumed, as you said, this would be a season of transition, given the reduction in transfer mm. budget. But given the start, are your expectations changing? How far can your club go? Are you, dare I say, dreaming of a European birth next year? <laughs> well, um, it kind of feels like deja vu, to use a very French phrase. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier on with Lucien Favre, we had a similar situation that we led the league ti- uh, the title race for about 12 weeks. Monaco were just behind us and PSG in third place. And then it suddenly started to go wrong around about January or February. But they still finished third and they still managed to um, qualify for the Champions League the next year. When I look at all the teams that are currently chasing this, and that's a nice phrase to use. But when I look at them, I look at Paris Saint-Germain, I look at Monaco and I look at some of the others, Lille, etc. Marseille, who seem to be a long way adrift already. There's nothing there that scares me. I think Paris Saint-Germain will always be there and almost certainly will take the title. It's just, they're like a steamroller. You know, it's difficult to stop them. But there's no reason why Nice cannot finish in the top three and definitely in the top five. So even if Champions League football is not attained this season, Europe has to be. They cannot fall away the way they did under Gaultier a couple of seasons ago. It has to be Europe. And I think they're capable of doing that. Do you feel with the opportunity that is beginning to arise as the season develops, would they be tempted to give this Italian prodigy manager more money in January for a push at Europe? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure whether he's the kind of man who would know how to spend it. But I mean, that's me just speaking out loud, thinking out loud, because I don't know him, obviously, and I don't know a great deal yep. about his pedigree. But obviously, every team needs to be uh, strengthened, no matter how well they're doing. Um, and I think if by January, once the winter break is over, if Nice are still in the top three, which I, I hope they will be, I think you're probably going to have to um, strengthen in certain areas. Because as we mentioned earlier on, if we lost Dante and if Dante was out of action for a period of weeks, you need another Dante somewhere to be able to kind of stand in that role. So I think money would be made available, but I can't imagine it would be the money of 12 months ago where big name journeymen players, as we said, um, would be arriving to suddenly bring spectators in. And by the way, we don't need to be bringing spectators in the moment because it's every stadium, sorry, every game since we sold out of the stadium at the moment, which uh, is a very healthy situation to be in. But yeah, going back to your original question, I think money would have to be made available, I'm sure of it. And that that's what makes it intriguing watching it. And from, from the the neutral felts looking in, you would hope Toddybo and Truram, they will buy into what's going on here. They won't be tempted to move mid-season. I certainly hope not, because um, neither of them have been tempted to leave. I mean, with with uh, uh, I'd have to about to say Moffy as well, but we haven't talked about him. But I think yeah. um, there was a possibility of true. I'm going to Liverpool, um, but from what I can gather, from what I can see, and from what they're saying publicly, these players are just very happy. And if you're happy at a football club and you've got the possibility of maybe winning something 
winning a cup, winning a trophy of some description, there's no reason for them to go. And from what I can see, there aren't that many people knocking on the doors of the Allianz Riviera saying, we want to buy that player. Um, whether it's because it's out of the transfer window at the moment, but there, there, there aren't the rumours that there were at the beginning of the season, which is a curious state of affairs, bearing in mind how well the team is doing. And as well, dear, it's a lovely segue. You said that you mentioned Moffy. And during this whole talk, yeah. all we've talked about is defence-minded players. But it is the <laughs> testament to how well they're doing. It's the best defence in the top five leagues of European football. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Um, I mean, none of us like to watch defensive football unless our team's winning. And, you know, at the moment, OGC and East are doing just that. They're winning. Um, but I do, I do have a few concerns that, you know, they may get caught out soon. Um, they may find themselves on the receiving of a, a really heavy defeat because this tends to happen when a team goes unbeaten for a long, long time. And my only concern is up front, and Moffy in particular, who was bought for 32 million euros and turned down Southampton and Everton and Leicester and Marseille to come to Nice and then suddenly found that he wasn't going to be playing in Champions League football as he was hoping. Um, he's not really on the boil at the moment. He's not scoring goals uh, he's putting himself into positions. He's been substituted more than he's staying on the pitch, so to speak. Um, and that's what my concern is, that, that there isn't at the moment an out-and-out goal scorer. And every team needs one. And Nice don't have that at the moment. So I don't want to kind of put a dampener on things because things are going so very well. But you've just got to be careful that in the future, if they do suddenly go on a bad run, which is entirely possible, there's nothing up there up front that says we'll be OK. We can score more than them. That's what worries me a little bit. That could be an area in January. One of the guys who surprised me a lot is Jupe, who was signed from Monaco. Has he impressed you? His free kick yeah. at the weekend was beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, that looked to me if it was a, a stonewall penalty, but then that's me seeing it with a red and black uh, eyes, obviously. <laughs> uh, but it didn't need to be a penalty because he scored from just outside the box and it was a wonderful goal. I mean, he has come on really well this season. He really has. As you say, we got him from Monaco. I think he was on loan to start off with and then paid uh, full full money for him. But I can't remember what the fee was. But he looks really good. He does look really good. And I think if you keep players like Diop and keep them fit and healthy and, and um, he's got that vivaciousness about him when he when he runs and he's, he's got, he looks like an exciting player. You, but you need others alongside him as well. And this is what I mean by Moffy and Diop, etc., you need others there. You need someone who kind of basically get hold of them by the scruff of the neck and saying, right, the defence is sorted. Now we sort this part out. So, but, it, you know, it's it's it probably sounds very negative because here we are on 25 points, clear of PSG, Monaco, one away at both those teams, leading the league, as you say, um, the best league form in Europe uh, since, I think you said, 50-odd years, which is incredible. Yeah, so, yeah. So it is very, very, very positive. Um, but there's just always this concern. I think it's typical football feeling that you always do, you're always always expecting the worst. <laughs> <laughs> nice have burned you too many times, right? <laughs> Finding it hard to trust. <laughs> My <Yes>. friend, <laughs> I deeply appreciate your time, especially when you're enjoying the Cricket World Cup to come back and speak to us. And if this run keeps going, we will have to bother you again in the near future, Roy. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I didn't really enjoy the Cricket World Cup because England, as you know, um, failed spectacularly on every level. So, uh, But I was there working as opposed to being a spectator, but uh, or being a fan, rather. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. India is always a fun place to go to. But yes, I need to get back to Nice as soon as possible because... I'm missing all of this. I'm missing it. They keep winning. I guarantee if I go back, they'll start losing. So who knows? <laughs>
You might bring some luck home with you, Roy. Enjoy your travels, and I wish you speedy and hastily trip back to Nice to enjoy Farioli Ball. Thank you so much indeed, and hope to talk to you again soon. <laughs> You're listening to Eurotales, where European football stories are explored one at a time. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. As you can see, the Nice story is an intriguing one. Was Francesco Farioli possibly the best managerial appointment any team has made in Europe in recent times? Plucked from the obscurity of Turkish football, a goalkeeping coach under Brighton manager De Zebri, and he is turning heads in Liga 1 on a very modest budget. Nice have really cut their cloth in recent times. Gone are the journeymen. Focus of Ineos, of course, is Jim Radcliffe trying to pull a seat at the table with the Glaciers at Manchester United. But for United fans, it may be a sign of things to come that the Ineos project can be innovative and not just big spenders on flashy names. Nice's successes this season are built on youth hunger, led by a leader an immortal sentinel, the Brazilian Dante. What a story. Turned 40 last month and he's marshalling this new Nice young guard to the top of Liga 1. Can they keep it up? That is the question. The goals will need to start increasing, one would imagine, just to make sure that this team can continue. This unexpected surge, this was not a season that Nice were expected to do this, but it is happening. And their defensive structure is amazing. Bulka in goal, check him out, he's a colossus. Malvin Bard at left back. And the much-flaunted names around Europe, Todibo and Churam, are finally delivering on their much-lauded potential. Enjoy the rest of the season, Roy, and thank you so much for your time. Listeners, the link to Roy's Twitter is in the show notes. For all things Nice football in English, you must follow Roy. He will keep you in touch with all happenings at the Alliance Riviera. Thanks for listening. Don't miss us between episodes. Simply follow our socials, links in the show notes, or simply search at EuroTalesPod on Twitter. EuroTales. Podcast Network.